Your soil has a unique story. At Decisive Farming by Telus Agriculture, we get that. Let's optimize your fertilizer costs and replenish your soil by tailoring nutrient plans to your field's needs. Visit DecisiveFarming.com to learn how to get soil health insights today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this special feature episode of the Rural Woman Podcast, where you'll meet Andrea Bilodeau. Andrea has been a precision fertility agronomist for 12 years, with the last five years as a senior agrologist with Decisive Farming by TELUS Agriculture. The Decisive Farming by TELUS Agriculture team helps address data management challenges, optimize production practices for improved efficiency and profitability, while leveraging the latest digital technologies to empower and connect farmers. Decisive farming solutions include farm management software, soil health applications including soil sampling and variable rate technology, crop marketing tools, and connected devices that leverage TELUS's latest technology capabilities. Andrea believes that soil is the foundation of everything we produce in agriculture, and incorporating variable rate technology is key to long-term sustainability. She spends much of her days analyzing soil sample tests that have been gathered directly from growers' fields across her region of central Alberta and northern Saskatchewan. From there, she uses that information to build tailored fertility plans, helping growers farm more efficiently and sustainably. I really enjoyed my chat with Andrea and can hear the love of soil in her voice, and I'm sure you will too. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's featured episode of the podcast with Andrea Bilodeau from Decisive Farming by TELUS Agriculture. Andrea, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. I am very excited to get to know more about decisive farming and TELUS agriculture and all of the great things that you are doing for the agriculture industry. But before we dive into that, I want to get to know you more. So tell us about yourself and how you got your start in agriculture. 
Well, you know what? Actually, ag is sort of my my second life, I kind of say. I uh, graduated from high school a long time ago and kind of followed my friends to college and uh, took uh, took a basic degree, uh, a three-year degree. And then I took an opportunity with Mennonite Central Committee to go to Africa for a number of years and work on a community development program where I worked, you know, it was community development, but I worked with 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 local women's groups, applying for land board applications, getting plots of lands to grow to grow lots of resources that they used for for the creation of crafts. So it, it was in an area where they are the primary income earners and the craft is craftiness and, and making uh, baskets in particular was, was making them money and feeding their families. But they were going into the Delta, they were going into dangerous circumstances to gather the resources. And so together with the government of Botswana, we got land allocations to grow those resources domestically. And I was really very ill-equipped for that job. I was really young and I had no agricultural background. I came from a rural situation, but I I hadn't grown up on a farm. And suddenly I was trying to assess whether land would be appropriate for things and whether you could grow things and whether you needed shade or sunshine. And I was you know, I relied very heavily on a lot of the forestry experts and, and learned an awful lot. And so then I came home after that experience and fell in love with horticulture, worked at a greenhouse, loved working at that greenhouse. That was, that was such a, a, a pleasure. People are always happy buying flowers and buying plants and really wanted to see if that could be an outlet for, you know, my love of of growing things and realized that I was from Southern Manitoba. And unless you, you know, own a greenhouse or want to get into the physical side of landscaping, you don't, there aren't a ton of opportunities. Now, having said that, I probably didn't explore them enough, but agriculture really posed a great opportunity for me. So I went back in my late twenties to university, the University of Manitoba, and I took a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture, um, you know, sort of majoring in, in agronomy. And that led me to a time in agriculture history. When I started university, there were lots of jobs. And when I finished university, lots of the companies were cutting positions, changing a lot of stuff. And I just made it a goal. I was going to get a job. So like I said, I was from Southern Manitoba and so what I did was I just applied for everything that was available at that point within the company that I worked with. And somebody in, in Vermilion, Alberta, took a chance on me, sight unseen. He, he found me an apartment. He gave me a job. And I, one day I just arrived. And, and that's sort of how, you know, we, this was pre-Skype, pre a lot of those things. And that's when we met. And that was, and I intended to stay in Alberta for two years. And that was 16 years ago now, I think. And in the meantime, you know, I've got a family here and and I'm not going anywhere, obviously. You know, I'm married, somebody local, we have a family. But during that time of working in the retail, I really recognized that there were certain things that were my gift and my passion, I guess, would be the best, the best way to say it. And it's, you know, there's lots of people that I know that are amazing in field and walk, walk fields and 
you know, can give you, you know, that magical recommendation for killing every weed you've got, that person who just understands the disease cycle so well. And I really enjoy those things. But the soil and soil fertility was really something that always kind of called to me and how those interactions work and and how our fertilizer works together with the inherent characteristics of our soil. My my boss jokes an awful lot that possibly in another life I could have been a geologist because I, you know, that's that's a precursor of our soil. And I love to talk about that. I love to look at at where our history comes from. I love to look at at how the soil makes the foundation of what we start with. And so in many ways I, I kind of found the perfect job. And working together uh, with Decisive Farming and, and TELUS has provided me with that opportunity to, to speak with a lot of amazing producers across Western Canada and share what I know, but also get that opportunity to learn so much from them from so many different places. And so I guess that kind of encapsulates where I come from. That is an interesting story of how you got into agriculture. You told me it was interesting before we started, but it is very interesting. So you talk about your passion for soil and soil health. Take me back to when you were growing up. You're growing up rurally. Did you notice things in the soil or did you notice soil health or anything like that growing up? Or is this a newfound passion that you you came into? I don't think I ever noticed it as a... Oh, you know, this is this is a thing I'm interested in. But I, you know, we have an interesting family that seems to have skipped some generations. And when I say that, my mother is one of nine and I am one of one. And and we're not the Borg, so I don't mean to, you know, to to make us, you know, like a collective, but I was all alone and and so and I grew up with with my mother and and my family and my grandparents and my grandmother loved being outside. And she loved gardening. She was a very invested gardener. You know, she would much rather have been outside uh, than inside, which is a lot like I am now. And so I remember as a kid being fascinated by ants and worms and, and bugs in general, because I recognized pretty early that they made channels in the soil. And channels make sense to me because they're about you know, water infiltration. They're about the movement and the and, and the poor spaces for roots. Now, it all sounds like I was really brilliant and I, I didn't think about those things then. I connect them now. But as a kid, it made sense to me that our ground should have all of those living processes because of what was going on there. If you're trying to grow something healthy out of your ground, you want your ground to be healthy. And the soil biology is an inherent part of that soil health. For sure. And it just, when you put it that way, it just makes sense. And it kind of breaks it down to seem very simple when there's a lot of us that know there's a lot of things that can go into soil health, which we are, we're going to dive into more a little bit later here. But for now, I want to talk to you more about what you do now for Decisive Farming. Who is Decisive Farming? And tell us about your position there. Decisive Farming is, it's an interesting company. Like we are 
all of us and and we are we are teams and and that's that's the biggest part of it and and i i have the privilege where i'm located geographically to be part of three thriving teams and so you know we have a we have a salesperson that you know deals directly with sales we have myself that i do the agronomy and then we have you know a group of of men and women that are involved in really training and and that's something we hopefully will get to later on about digitizing your farm and getting more into those sorts of things and so we have these robust teams that allow us to sit down and collaboratively, and that's such a wonderful buzzword, uh, of course, and, and sometimes I don't love buzzwords, but we really do get to tailor make a program that works on farm. And it's, it's, it's a job that has allowed me to always start with a great question. What are your expectations? What do you want to get out of this partnership? Clearly, they're paying me for something, but what are they expecting to get back out of it? And and what they expect to get out of it can be so many things. And, you know, I would say most times we can meet those expectations or we work very hard to meet those expectations. And this company, so Decisive certainly was the company that I began working for. I think I'm in my sixth year now. So that's the job that I that I took on uh, a smaller kind of group. I knew the owners, you know, I could phone any of them at any time and voice a concern, voice a, an issue. So very different, kind of like mom and pop. We all got together. We're family. And now, and now being owned by TELUS is very different. It's a, it's a more corporate style, but at the same time, TELUS has done an incredible job welcoming us and welcoming how we want to be the best at what we do for our customers and really fostering that experience. You know, they, they certainly have, I think sometimes you can get gobbled up by the, by the corporate giant and then parts of you get spit back out. And we certainly have not felt like that at all. If anything, they have, they've taken us and enhanced our ability to to serve to serve our customers with value i would say yeah and i like how you know you've said this because i think you, you're right there is a bad rap when we think of big corporate companies coming in and taking over these smaller ones but i really think that they are able to offer and provide resources and extra talent to these teams to show them and to show their customers all of the cool things that you can do with technology and advancements, especially in agriculture, because we don't farm the same way that we did 50 years ago, even 20 years ago. It's different now. And how can we use this technology to enhance what we're already doing and improve what we're doing to continue to grow food for people? Because there's no shortage of people to feed. <laughs> no, and and technology is... I don't know if I want to call it a necessary evil. I may have been reading a little bit too much like zombie apocalypse kind of literature <laughs> of later of late. So, and you know, that, that demonstrates, you know, that kind of reading demonstrates what would happen if we lost it all. It's, it's like, we're all kind of bumping into each other, like zombies ourselves, you know, because we're, we've lost that, but we cannot do, we cannot effectively grow and operate farming operations the way it was before. I've often said that farming is definitely a lifestyle. 
and and you cannot get away from that. It's a, it's a wonderful lifestyle. It's a rural lifestyle that really brings communities, rural communities together. But it's still a business too. I don't know an awful lot of not-for-profit farms. <laughs> for sure. Well, and this leads me kind of into my next question quite nicely, Andrea. So thank you for making my job easy. One of the things that you said that you loved most about your job was using what you call common sense agronomy. So can you explain to us how common sense agronomy ties in to using the technologies that are available to you now? And for reference to you, what is common sense agronomy? Well, I guess we have a lot of tools. So, you know, if you get into if you get in, and, 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 you know, I should probably preface it by saying Decisive is, uh, Decisive Farming is a, a variable rate company. So we are definitely involved heavily in precision agriculture and utilizing technology that comes, you know, with a wide variety of equipment to use, you know, the four R's where we're putting the right amount of product down at the right rate in the right place at the right time. And we're using the right product for, for what we're actually getting at. And so, you know, we, we have that, but if we back that up, somebody has to make the decisions as to what makes sense to put down. And you can write an awful lot of algorithms. You can write a lot of ifs and ors into, into a lot of things and you can get pretty close but it still is really hard. Like I, you know, just as an example, this morning I, I chatted with one of my customers in Saskatchewan. We're getting ready to do some fall apply. And so, you know, his question is, should I be putting it on at this temperature, Andrea? You know, it's, it's a little warmer out here. What happens to the product? How much will I lose? How much will I lose from my anhydrous application, if it's slightly warmer? What if I waited till it's a little bit cooler? And that starts to get into, can a computer algorithm have that conversation? My question to him then goes, how much rainfall have you actually had? Do you know how, at what depth you have that rainfall? What are your actual daytime and nighttime temperatures? And now I can check his closest weather station. I can check the weather station he has on farm, but again, some of this comes back to the conversations with him and his wealth of experience in his area. And so, you know, he had his son there. And so we had a, a long conversation about what that means. And then we have that, you know, we move forward. And then it goes back to his soil test. And, and that sort of is the beginning of a conversation. What is your soil texture? What is your soil pH? What are your residual nutrients? What is going on out there that we can help you with to, to make the best decisions for when you're going to do that? And again, I can do that. And I, I think it's harder for a computer program to have those conversations because then I go back and I sit down with all the information he's given me and with all the information that I have from the technologies that we use. And I, I marry them together thoughtfully because I have to think about it. And I, I don't just sit here and, and punch numbers. I look back at those resources and I, and I come up with, with a plan that makes sense to, to maximize every acre that we can for him the best we can based on the information we're given. 
And so I think that's what comes down to common sense for me. Part of it is, is my experience and being in this industry for, you know, for, I, I've done this now for, for 15 years, worked in agriculture, specifically in precision agriculture for over 10, just looking at soil tests and, and making soil and soil health and soil nutrients my, I guess my winning star, you know, that's, that's my passion. That's, that's what I want to do. And so I have that. And then I have these wonderful uh, producers that I get to work with who, again, have a wealth of knowledge about their own ground and bringing that together. Just it surpasses some of our technology in that at that point, I have the information and we're just using the technology to make sure the tractor understands what we're doing. But we, we've taken common sense and people and a collaboration to, to build that, that plan. You have explained that so beautifully and <laughs> common sense agronomy to me married with that technology. You guys are rock stars over there. Well, I, I certainly hope so. We try. We try very hard. That is that is always the goal for us. For sure. Well, and to be the farmer that is receiving that type of service and knowing that there's the experience of their own farm and having that experience on top of the experience that you've had and your team has had, and then the technology that is there that is able to help you out, that, you know, moves mountains when it comes to soil health, when it comes to bushels per acre, when it comes to deciding what you're going to plant the next year. When computers become sentient, then we're in trouble. But right. until that happens... They're still going to need dinosaurs like myself to, <laughs> to provide some insight. And, and I certainly hope that I get that opportunity. Uh, and, and I do, I very, very definitely am grateful to have that opportunity to continue to grow and to learn and to, to enhance my craft within our agriculture industry. Well, and in the time that you have been in the agriculture industry and long before that, uh, it's been no secret that fertilizer itself has been a hot button topic within our own industry and most definitely outside of our industry too. And if you are Canadian or you are tuned into the Canadian news, which I'm hoping some of our American listeners do listen to, uh, we are up here <laughs> with the recent Canadian government proposal of reducing fertilizer emissions by 30%. What are some of the ways that you're helping your customers navigate this proposal? Well, it's a terrifying proposal. When you hear some of the stats about Increasing our production to feed more people on the land that essentially we have. You know, there isn't, there isn't a ton more that we can clear, like realistically speaking, in terms of, of what we're going to do. And, and we've managed to maximize in a, a lot of geographies growing crops. You know, the difference between what you're able to grow and what I'm able to grow is is incredibly different. I'm a little jealous of all the, the wonderful things you can grow down south. And I know down in southern Manitoba too, if we could grow some of that stuff, that'd be fantastic. But you know what we do grow really, really well is barley. And we grow great wheat and we grow some beautiful canola crops. And so we need to maximize that potential. 
And it is, so I guess I would say it's a bit twofold. From one section, it, you know, that government legislation says they're going to, they're going to be reducing that. And, and that is going to push people to be, I hope, more thoughtful about soil health. Because I think there are ways to reduce it, you know, and we are a wonderful case in point on how you can, and I, it's a slippery slope saying we are going to reduce people's fertilizer because that does not always happen. We do sometimes, but sometimes it's just a smarter reallocation of it. And then you start getting into the four R's and the four R's, of course, are right rate, place, time and product. And, you know, those are conversations that we are definitely having with each and every one of our customers. You know, are you using the right product for your soil type? Are you using it at the right time of the year? Are you using any of the inhibitors so that you don't, you know, risk those losses? Are you, are you making the most of your investment? And then are you putting it on at the right time? In some cases, that's a fall application. In some cases, that's a spring application. And that can be a mixture of your time and your resource allocation and that can be a mixture of of your finances in some cases some years like last year there were a lot of producers in the fall that got told that they they suspected that anhydrous would be short in the spring and so you make that decision if that's the implement you have to get your your nitrogen down you're going to apply anhydrous in the fall and protect that investment and then the right place you know and and that's that comes down to seed safety and making sure we are maximizing the potential. You know, there's, there's a difference between throwing it out. You know, I always say to somebody like, you know, there's a difference between seeding your crop and putting your fertilizer in very strategic places so your plant can access it and driving your pickup truck through the field and just tossing your fertilizer out the window. You're, you are getting a return for putting it in the places that it needs to be. Certain nutrients need to be taken up by root interception. So how do we put those in a place where the root will be able to intercept it and flourish Whereas other things can go a little further and will, you know, mix with soil solution and be more available. So how do we make sure we're doing that? And in the end is right rate. And again, variable rate makes that really, I want to say easy for me, but it allows me to see a number of soil tests in a field and really say, okay, you have this area of your field where I can tell through a number of contributing factors, it's not your banner area. And nine times out of 10, the producer says back to me, you know, it's not like I drive through there We we fertilize it like double some years or sometimes we put more seed down there and nothing happens. And I can tell the, the fertilizer guys, because those are the guys where that part of the field has this incredible abundance of fertilizer because it's, but it's never being used because the crop is just not going to grow. And there's a lot of reasons why not, you know, whether it's, it's salinity, whether it's just a pH issue, there's so many things that play into that. Whereas, you know, there are other parts of the field where I say, I bet you this part, you drive through it and you're just wowed every time. And they're like, absolutely. You drive through there. The yield through there is always phenomenal. Even, even on a bad year, it's really phenomenal there. And so then you start to go, okay, there are different parts of a field. There is variability in this field. So how can we put it down to make the most sense? And then we start getting back to, are we able to, with that kind of a program, say, all right, so maybe we're not reducing our overall needs, but I'm putting it 
in a place where the crop that's going to be grown there is going to utilize it. Whereas in a place where it's not going to utilize it, I'm pulling back extensively. And so if we're using it to get a return in, in a, you know, like not, it's not just a, it's, like I said, it's not just a big pot. It's, it's so many different management zone, zones. Then suddenly we start to get a better idea of how to make the most out of the dollars we're spending there from a financial standpoint and from a soil health standpoint. Because what is the point of me putting on more and more salt-based fertilizers in a salty area of the field? So, you know, it gives me that chance to to really, you know, and, and I think that that's a kind of a, a really, again, agronomic, agronomic response to that question, because I struggle with the idea that we could just blanket remove that value. But We'll see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Time will tell. And there are people like yourself who are so passionate about soil and soil health that we find a way to make it work and you find a way to better use your investment. And I love how you have said this. It's an investment into your soil and it's an investment in your farm, not only financially, but it's an investment with your time because all of these things take time and putting these applications down, you know, is not going to make your soil healthier tomorrow, maybe not even next year, but throughout the years and different processes and different treatments that you can use can improve your soil health in all of the different areas in your farm. So you know, I guess for me in the end, you know, our soil health comes down to some of the things I said earlier on in terms of, of our soil has a story. And, you know, if you look back in terms of, you know, you and I chatted earlier on as to where you live and I, and I, I automatically sort of knew what kind of a soil texture you have. I know what, what the history of some of your ground is. Uh, I know the same for myself. And those are part of our conversations. And I know some people are going to think that that's kind of foolish, but we have those conversations about what is the history of our ground. And we ask those questions. And and so I, I just want to ask you back one question. So you said that your husband's farmed there. Is, is he a new farmer? Is this like a brand new farm? No, he has been farming here his entire life. He is the third generation on this farm. Wonderful. So that's exactly it. So my expectation is, and what I believe very strongly, is that no farmer sits down and says, okay, well, you know what, I'm not handing this to anybody. Nobody else is going to want this farmland, so I'm just going to do whatever I want out here. Every farmer wants to do the very best he can out there. Every farmer wants to, yes, get a maximum return, but they don't want to leave the land depleted or or damaged. Everybody wants to do the best they can because they are very often multi-generational farms and they are trying to, to hand it on to somebody to continue to grow that legacy. And that, that I think is, is something that gets a little bit lost, I guess, in the masses is what the commitment that farmers have to, to an excellence on, on, in their own property. Yeah, absolutely. And you've said it beautifully again, nobody is doing this now and not thinking about the future. You farm today for the future generations to continue to be able to farm here. Exactly. Your soil has a unique story. At Decisive Farming by TELUS Agriculture, we want to explore that story together. 
Let's optimize your fertilizer costs and replenish your soil by tailoring nutrient plans to your field's needs. If soil is not replenished with nutrients, crop yield potential will deteriorate over time. Are you ready to see the bigger picture? Visit DecisiveFarming.com. So talk to us about the importance of different things. We've talked about kind of buzzwords before and some buzzwords in agriculture, at least for me, they're buzzy from when I'm hearing them. Things like crop rotation and <laughs> uh, <laughs> bushels per acre and all of these like buzzy things that we all really want. Tell us about the importance of crop rotations when it comes to maintaining your soil health. Crop rotation is definitely a buzzword, but it is definitely a buzzword that's going to last. It came long before us and it's going to last long after us. I think there isn't a single farmer. I noticed in the memorials the other day for a, a fellow that I used to know that I dealt with, he, he was 90 when he passed away this last year. And I dealt with him about 15 years ago. And he sat one day and told me how he'd grown what had he grown? One of the one of the the, the weirdo like legumes. Like he like he threw down like I want to say fabas, but I don't think it was fabas. It was some sort of a pulse, maybe a like a vetch or something like that. And halfway through the season, he had a hail, and so he tilled it under. And he said, "It's the best crop." He said, "I never had any idea that a green manure crop would would do this." And so, you know, starting to talk about rotation. So everybody has that idea and continues to learn. And at that point, he must have been in his late 80s. And, and he, he had this experience. And he continued to do a little bit of that here and there in troubled land, understanding that it changed some of his soil health. Now, crop rotation, there's a whole whack of reasons why crop rotation is awesome. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a risk management tool. If you're going to just grow canola out there and the canola market goes into the toilet, you're going to have a problem. You really want to diversify, you know, from a financial standpoint on farm, that's, that's what you want. And, and market demand, you know, those, those are what's driving those things. And market demand is really visual again in prices and things like that. It's also essential in pest management, whether it's weeds, insects, all of those sorts of things, it helps break cycles in disease. It helps break those cycles and, and give us a chance to, to really, you know, have the crops that we, that we want to grow flourish. And I mentioned earlier that we, we only have three major crops, four if you can include oats. So we've got, we're really heavy on the cereals. You know, the oil seed, the canola is about the only thing there. And then there's pulses. But if you look at, at canola and you look at, at, for instance, peas and lentils, both of those are getting some strong pressures from disease, club root, phanomyces, and that's putting some constrictions on how often we can grow some of those crops. And yeah, there are new varieties, you know, club root resistant varieties. There's a, a whole lot of research on, on soil pH and its relationship to club root, those kinds of things. And aphanomyces, you know, we, we do a ton of aphanomyces testing and helping our farmers figure out some solid rotations. But you have to be really cognizant of those things from those standpoints. But for me, it gets back to, I asked the question about 
P's and pulses in a previous year because I know that pulses fix nitrogen. But then I also ask, how did your pulse do? Because that's something that people don't realize. Yes, your P's fix nitrogen, but your P's also use just a ton of nitrogen themselves to grow. So you have to be able to balance that out. You have to look at the fact that, you know, between the crops that we do have, we have some really diverse root systems. And I talked earlier about being a little kid and understanding that, you know, pores in the soil provided us with, with channels for water and roots and things like that. But our root systems do that too. And some of our plants actually do some mining of some of our, our nutrients that are a little bit lower and bring them, you know, further to the top closer to where our root systems can be. There's so many things with, with, a, with a good crop rotation. They participate so much in a healthy soil, water infiltration, a stable soil. You know, if, you, if you've had <laughs> harvest here, uh, I watched soil spin across the field in a really minor scale because it was so dry. But there are certainly some years where we can watch it move on a freshly tilled uh, you know, piece of ground. That's why zero till became so important. We were able to hold on to our soil in place uh, as opposed to it moving into our tree rows and our fence rows. So, you know, all of those things in a, in a strong rotation make a huge difference. I guess, you know, some of the other things are, you know, I, I did a quick search on online and the Canola Council suggests that on average 10 to 20% is lost for canola on canola on canola in every subsequent year. So, you know, you, we're losing yield potentially by not having robust crop rotations. So I am a strong advocate of, of a rotation that is as diverse as you possibly can have. And I have a couple of customers that have even started integrating uh, some perennial crops into their rotation too, because again, it's a totally different growing system. It's a longer term crop. Cover crops can be another great crop. I had a producer this year who did Italian ryegrass with, with corn. What a, what a cool mixture. Uh, such a totally different perspective on things. There's so much out there that can just be done little things to make your crop so much more robust. And I think crop rotation is, is a huge part of that. Yeah. And you know, we talk about buzzwords and all of these things. To me, being newer into farming and all of these things, I even know crop rotation is sexy. So <laughs> <laughs> if this is something that I know, I think more farmers need to adopt a better crop rotation or even adopt it in general. So, <laughs> Well, and it's it's something you hear every single crop meeting you go to. Right. I, I'm pretty sure that I took a class on rotation in university. Like, I'm not certain when the memo went out because there still are, and we do make the joke about, you know, uh, canola snow, canola snow, canola snow is not a crop rotation. And yet there are people who do that. Right. You can't break a disease cycle that way. It's true. And, you know, I think something that I learned very early on, especially in this industry, one of the most, I guess, detrimental phrases to any operation is, well, that's how so-and-so did it. So that's how I do it. So 
I know there are people out there who are trying to break the generational curse of, well, that's how my dad did it, so this is how we do it. For someone who is listening, who may be just starting to dig in to soil health, what is some advice that you can give them of where they can start? You know, that's that's a good question. I think there's a couple of things that I would suggest to people. There's a ton of great conferences. There is a, a really robust soil conference in Saskatchewan that escapes my name. I haven't been in a number of years, my memory. I haven't been in a number of years, but it's it's a great producer kind of driven conference where I've just found some wonderful, you know, table conversations you know like the speakers are fantastic but i think sometimes the table conversations can be pretty amazing in between some of the sessions as well but i think some of the other things that i would suggest is find somebody that you trust to work with and to to a certain extent i'm i'm also because i am an advocate i am an unbiased advice giver i suggest people look for that you know look for somebody unbiased look for you know either a retail agronomist that, you know, you've worked with for a long time that has, you know, has your farming operations best interest in mind or work with it. You know, there's so many amazing independent crop consultants out there. Work with somebody like that. The other thing that I think has been, I think for me is what the most important thing is I start every meeting with a new customer the same way. Do you soil test? And lots of them say, yeah, we do one every two, three, four years. Great. Uh, okay, so what do you do with those soil tests? Well, the retailer gets them and then they tell us what to put down and we do that. Or we look at them, but ugh, that's all Greek to me. So what I tell folks is if you get a soil test and you go back to the person who took the soil test and they can't explain to you logically what those numbers mean, you're talking to the wrong person. You really are. You need to find somebody who can explain that basic piece of data to you in a way that makes sense. It, it is, it is sciencey. It is kind of nerdy, but there are great ways to talk about how those relationships in your soil on a soil test will affect the decisions you make, both with rotation, with variety choices, with so many things. And we live in this wonderful era where we all want to talk about data, all want to talk about data because data is so wonderful. But nobody seems to know what they really want to do with all that data. Here, here's a piece of data that you can take and find somebody to give you a hand with and understand. Now, I'm not saying you need to get that soil test, have it explained, and then start making all of your own decisions. But you need to understand the basics of what's going on out there if that's what you're after. And that's why I say, find someone who's willing to explain it. If they can't explain it, they're not the right person to be giving you that advice. So find that person who would be willing to do that. It's kind of like a litmus test, I guess I would say. What else would I say to folks? You know what, like, you know, I kind of glibly wrote down here, I, you know, I wouldn't ask a truck driver to help me with, with a boil on my, on my leg, just like I wouldn't ask a doctor to help me how to ship a painting across country. Like, you have to find the person that, and, and the partnerships on your farm that bring you value. And if soil health is something you are looking for, then find the partnerships that give you that information. That is the most perfect way to wrap up that answer. 
find the people who want to help you, who can help you, and who can help you understand the Greek that is a soil test. Because let me tell you, it is Greek to me. So, <laughs> and, and and I love it, and and I love it, and I get that it's Greek to people. And I've I have lots of farmers who say. Like, you know, I always say at the end, so does this make sense? Yeah, it does, but I'm going to probably ask you, I'm going to look it through, I'm going to have a million more questions. Excellent. That is awesome. If I got you to a point where you can look at this and have more questions, that means I did the right thing. That is exactly right. Andrea, for the people who would like to ask you specifically soil questions, where can the listeners find you online and how can they contact you? You know what? We have a wonderful website that is, I think, decisivefarming.com. You know what? I don't go there. I did go there this week, to be honest. That is the right website. (laughs) Yeah. And so decisivefarming.com, there's a couple of great things about that website. A, there's a lot of really great testimonies from people that we deal with. And and they genuinely are. I, I love going in there periodically. Like I said, I don't go very often. But when I went the other day, you know, I knew a lot of those names. They're real, and I and I've seen a lot of of those testimonies, you know, face to face in field. Like this is working out. This is so awesome. So it's got that. We also have a really great blog that gives you some information. And there, you know, usually myself or one of the other agronomists have have contributed at least some of the the comments in there. Just some good information on on seeding and and whether you should be soil testing at this time of year and and what what seasonality you know, changes with your soil test. And then finally, you can you can contact pretty much any of us, I think, on there, even if it's just a general uh, a general thing. I am located uh, in northern, uh, well, it's, I guess it's not northern Alberta, it's central Alberta. So I cover central Alberta and then northern Saskatchewan. And uh, we are always, I'm always looking forward to people who want to talk about soil. I tell my farmers during harvest, if you've got soil questions and you're sitting in the combine, please call me because I have an abundance to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, those long hours in that combine, you really need somebody to talk to sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. And, And that's the time. I had one guy this year who phoned me, you know what, Andrea, I'm just driving through this area and it always lodges. I want, I want to see, I want to know why. So we started like earmarking specific areas in his field that we're going to, we're going to look at more specifically. And that, that's perfect. He's driving through, he's sitting there. And then, you know, I'm sitting and making notes. We're making plans that are totally different. It's, it's the best part of my job. Year one is, is okay, but it's year two, three, and four where we start to have those great conversations and, and digging into different products and different methodologies and, and different ways of thinking that, that really become super fun. That's amazing. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today, telling us more about decisive farming and TELUS agriculture. And I'm so incredibly grateful uh, to have been able to have this conversation with you today. So thank you so much. I as well appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A 
special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. See the bigger picture. At Decisive Farming by TELUS Agriculture, we can help. Let's optimize your fertilizer costs and replenish your soil by tailoring nutrient plans to your field's needs. Visit DecisiveFarming.com to learn how to get soil health insights today.